It's a building a future with clear convictions. This is part of our series. We have one more sermon in this series. We'll pick it up next week. But I, I want to uh, close out the series with a very important conviction that I think you have to have in order to be successful. God has a plan for your life if you are smart enough and open enough and humble enough. He'll show you. It may be like the plan he had for me. He'll send you places you never expected to go, do things you never expected to do, so that you can, you can see something. It's like he's trying to get you to see something. And, and, and if you're not careful, you're too short. Your faith's too short. Your vision's too short. Your, your, your issues are too vast. You, you get sidetracked with stuff. And you start tasting a certain way. In this book I just finished on, on the... Um, on how it's called relationship gumbo. And one of, the, one of the issue is that all of your relationships, when people interact with you, they can taste them. The people that work with you. And my goal is to show you a recipe for managing your relationships, your love life, your work life. I want to show you a recipe for that. So that when people engage you, they can taste the right thing. And God is trying to get you to a place so that when people engage you, they don't taste poverty. When they get around you, they don't taste the kind of person who is afraid of wealth, the kind of church that's afraid to advance, the kind of people who think. Let me tell you what I think we, we misunderstand. Everybody doesn't live in your, your world. Everybody doesn't do what you do. And the best thing you can do is let God take you someplace so you can learn to think differently. Come on, say amen. amen. There, there's something about you meeting somebody who is not from your culture, who's not from your race, who's not from your background, and learning that, and learn that, there, there, that there is a, there's value on all sides of the track. You can learn from Irish people. I was in Ireland one time, lost. We were spinning around in Ireland trying to find our way. And this Irish guy got out and he says, you must be lost. And he came over and he told us. And I thought, wait, wait, I mean, just, you, you just never know. I mean, he got out of his car. He saw us in traffic. Got out of his car, came over to our car. Remember that? And he walked up and says, you guys must be lost. Let me show you the way. Where are you trying to go? And in that moment, I thought, what an incredible thing. Now, a lot of places, they just let you stay lost. You don't know everybody. You need to open your heart and let God show you that there are other ways to live, other ways to engage. And so in my life, my prayer is that when people taste me, when they get around me, they don't get a whiff of poverty and, and poor thinking and narrow-mindedness. I want them to feel that this is a guy who's thinking. So I ask you some questions about your convictions because your convictions have a taste to them. When I'm around you, I can tell what your convictions are. And, and, and I want you to develop one clear conviction. And we talked about some other things. But in the last sermon and the sermon and the next one, I want you to develop some clear convictions about wealth. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Clear convictions about wealth. So the question I asked you last week was, are you wealthy? If not, why aren't you wealthy? Well, Pastor, here's the problem. I don't like the word wealth. Okay, let's use the word poor. Are you poor? 
Are you broke? Which one do you lose? See, notice how we are bothered by certain terms and phrases, especially in church. And what I'm going to say to you today is I believe the church talks you out of this. Religious thinking, not God, but religious thinking will take away your passion to dream. You will lose something. Are you trying to tell me that you can go to church and lose something? Yes, right. You can lose your freedom. They got church services every day in the week. You never get to go home. They can take all your money. Ask for it all the time. Every time you look around, they ask for some money. Ask the neighbors, give me some money. See, you're scared. Ask them, say, give me some money. Give me some money. So, see, you, you can't tell them. They say, how about say, loan me some money? How about that? Loan me some money. See, see, the whole thing is uncomfortable for you. It, it's, it's, it's really, it's really, no, he didn't mind. He asked her. See, but but there, there are people, there are people who have a, an entire list of things, if you are around them, that they will make you afraid of. They'll jump into your schedule. They'll jump into your life. They'll take over your world. They'll dominate your whole life. And, and, and I'm not saying that church people or other people mean to do that, but their culture will pull you away. I, as a pastor, one of the hard things for me to communicate to pastors is don't be so busy. Take a day off. Don't get, don't get caught into this way of life where you don't have a life. And it's hard for them. It's like getting off drugs. They can't not go to church. And I'm not saying some of you, now some of you are professional church missers. You don't need that help. You are good at that. You miss all the time, never come. Everybody give me an amen. I'm just talking about one big word. Everybody say balance. I want you to have a balanced view of wealth because you cannot have a healthy home if you don't have a balanced view of wealth. You cannot have a, a healthy life at work, your employer. How many want to work for a broke employer? How many of you want an employer that can't give you a raise? How many, see, see, oh, no, okay, see. Now, understand, if you get that, then you have to understand what kid wants to be in a broke family. What kid wants to be in a family where all the answers are, no, we ain't got no money. Every time they ask you for anything, can I get some socks? No, I ain't got no money. What are the socks you got? Wash them. Everything is no. That is not God's will. And I'm not, I understand, and I'm not just talking about money wealth. Some of you have cash, but you have no time. Your wealth issue, your resources are, are broken because you have no life. You work every day, seven days a week, six days a week, two, three jobs. This is not God's will. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. This is not, come on, say that, come on. This is not, how could it be God's will? And when will this end? When will I get off this train and not live on the edge like this? I can't, I can't gather myself. I'm always frustrated. And I think one of the things that we have to learn to do is we have to learn to push ourselves to a new place. And that's what this series is about, coming to a new conviction. And that's where it all starts because once you get a conviction, now you have a new way of thinking. Now you take a new approach because you have new convictions. And that's where it all starts. And if God can get you to the place that you're thinking differently, what happens is more abundance will come in your life. You can guide you to a newer place. Sometimes, for me, my abundance couldn't come just by being around Americans. The wealth that God brought me was not just around people like me, who look like me. 
I had to cross bridges. I had to meet other people, read other books, things I would never read, do things I would never do, go to places I would never go. There's something about that that brought wealth in my life. And it's not just money. A quality of life that when you taste me, when you get around me, I, I hope something tastes different. That's my prayer. My prayer is I don't want to be the same. I don't want, I don't want my life to be. All I do is sit down and watch, hear this now, four hours of TV a day. Ah, help me, God. You're watching 4.7 hours a day. You're watching four, almost five. You go, it's another job. Now, how do you build wealth? And you're looking at your phone in some countries, I said the other day, 40 times a day. In America, they say it's about 17 on average, but there you go. I mean, it's, it's become, we become addicted to shows and we become addicted to behaviors. And this is, in my opinion, what robs us of what God wants us to have, and that's wealth. Now, in the series, there were three things I've said to you so far. Three things that I want you to know. Number one, say, be clear, be clear. about your convictions. That's the first thing I talked about, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. You've got to be clear. You've got to be knowledgeable. My people are destroyed because they don't have enough knowledge. Number two, I talked about be intentional about what you desire. Matthew chapter 7, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. If you're not clear and if you're not intentional, a lot of things will never change. Your wealth issue will always stay with you. You will live here. This is, look at me for a second. Look at the preacher. This is your life. This is it. It will never change. It will only go down. It will never get any better if you're not clear and if you're not intentional. Here's the third thing. Be thankful. For it's God who gives you the power to get wealth. And he doesn't want you to forget that. He wants you to remember that it's he's the one. I'm, so I'm not trying to tell you to get on some independent campaign. I think self-help books are good and dangerous. The good part is they teach you how to help yourself. The bad part is they can make you think you do it on your own. You can start buying books and start reading stuff and getting into real estate and all this stuff all on your own. You don't pray. You don't talk to God. You're not, you're not even concerned about God's way. You'll make money at any cost. And that, my friend, is not healthy. God does not want you to live your life where you just do, will do anything. I will not do anything for money. I will not do anything and everything. I, I'm, not, I'm, not that, I'm not for sale. You're not going to get me to that, give up on what I believe is important. I'm not going to give up on God because I want money. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm sorry. That's a conviction I have. I have a conviction that I need to be in the house of God. There needs to be a part of my life where I'm in the house of God. I believe, that's a conviction I have. That's why I'm here. I have a conviction that you can't throw a lot of money on the table and convince me to do things. A lot of people thought I was going to do something because of money and opportunity, but not me. I'm not for sale. That's not why God called me. And there's something about, there's something about that. Well, at least you all can clap. I thought that was a good statement. Come on, amen. I mean that. And, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying I wasn't offered a whole lot. I was. In the name of the Lord, thank you, Jesus. But it's not even people offer you stuff. It's not just one person, it's other people. But if, you, so if you're for sale and you give up on what's right, I made a decision that I, I can make a lot of money being gone, but I, I, I got to see my wife. I got to look at her face. I want to see my children. And, I, and, I, and the more I do this and the longer I serve, the more I see what happens to people when they don't balance this out. And so I want you to be clear, be intentional, be thankful. Come on, say those three. Come on. 
Be clear, be intentional, be thankful. There's one you don't have on your notes. Write it down. Just put it next week. Say, be passionate. What I'm going to talk to you about in the rest of your notes is something I'm passionate about. This is not something that I'm saying to you. Um, that you, you may not even like it. You may say, well, you know, okay. But I'm going to answer a couple of questions, three questions in particular, that the staff mentioned to me. And my answers are my passionate convictions. These are things that I believe work for me, and I think that they'll work for you because I believe they're biblically based. I think that there's something healthy about a person having a clear conviction about their resources, their wealth, about their life, about all their life, their love life, everything. But today we talk about wealth. So let me show you. The first question that my, what I call my talk-through team asked me. They asked me, and, and this is a team I sit with and we talk through the sermons before I preach them, and, and they asked me three questions. First of all, can you have money or wealth and God be okay with it? Now that may be a simple question, but for a lot of people, it's a, it's a big question. And the answer is yes. God doesn't have any problem with you having stuff. Let me show you a couple of verses. The Bible said, the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. And that doesn't mean you're going to gain a lot of weight. That can happen if you're not careful. But, but Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4 is really about the result of hard work. He promised if you ask, you would receive, Matthew 7, 7. God doesn't want you frustrated. Who wants to keep asking for something? Don't you get sick when your kids say, Mama, 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 Mama. What you want? What you want? Can I have some candy? No. Why? Okay, because you, you got dinner. I'll still eat dinner. We still talking about this? No. See, see I want you to understand, it, God, God is not anti-you prospering having stuff. God's, God's, not, God's not frustrated. And some of us, we think, we see God the way I just described your, your, your parents. You think God's, God's not, God, God doesn't want you to get sick on candy either. But, but there's, there's, we make that comparison. And so we tend to struggle with asking. But here's what the Bible says. In, in the Greek, when the word is used, your ask, it's, it's, it's keep on asking in the Greek. Literally. Don't just ask one time. Don't just seek one time. Don't just knock one time. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking and keep on knocking. What tends to happen is people struggle and they think God has a problem with that and he doesn't. We should maximize, I believe, our abilities. Whatever we're gifted to do, if you're gifted to make $1,000, you should make 1000 If you're gifted to make 100000 you should make 100000 Whatever your maximum is, Matthew chapter 25, verse 15. The Bible said he blessed them according to their abilities. He gave them talents or measurements of money in this parable in Matthew 25, verse 15 based on ability. So the answer to the question is, yes, God wants you to have. God wants you to be a prosperous person. God has no problem with you having resources or money. But the problem is, how do you balance all of that? For a lot of us, the issue is balance. How do you balance being frugal and wanting a lot? See, that's the question. So how do I balance, Pastor? Okay, I, I want God to I want to ask God for more. I want my life to be wealthier. I want more balance in my life. I want to control my time. I don't want to be, how do I ask God for that? How do I ask God specifically for money? When is enough enough? When, 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 when should I just sit back and say, okay, this is enough, and I, I don't need to be asking for any more. When should that day come? Well, I, I, I don't think you have to put this limit on it. I don't think you have to put this, 
this, this point of, well, God, God's like my mom. If I keep asking, he's going to get mad. He sees me like I see the little child. And so we tend, we tend to be like that. We tend to think that God's against it. And here's the verse we use to justify that. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, The root of all evil is the what? Love of money. The word love is the word in the Greek there that means to be greedy. It's the same word for greed. It's not covetousness, which is different. There's another word that's used for covetousness, which means to want to take from somebody. This word has to do with hoarding. It's having a hoardish spirit. So God, God is not against you having money. God's not against you being blessed. And if that's not, listen to me carefully, if that's not a passionate conviction you have, you will always half do it. You'll half invest, you'll half work, you'll half give, you'll half sacrifice, you'll half dream. Because if you're not careful, what I'm saying right now, you'll start swimming somewhere else and you'll miss the point. But when you have a need, you'll begin to pray and ask God for a miracle and he'll say, you know, the problem with you, look at the preacher for a minute, you don't have a conviction about this. You, you'll pray to me when you have a need, but you're not willing to let me take the whole of your life and put your whole life on a new road. You, you only pray when you're in trouble. How about let's change our convictions? Let's change our life, change our mind, change our approach, change our convictions. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Change our mind, change our approach, and change our convictions. And let's do it with passion. Let's make this a passionate thing. We're not just playing. We want to be people that have the power to do what God called us to do. And here's how you do it. Sowing. You can have money. You can have all those things if you want to plant and sow seed. But you can't, you can't do it if you're not passionate. You know, how many times you go, you buy the gym equipment and never work out, right? How many times do you make all these promises and you never get anywhere? Ministers never teach you this. They teach you to give. But I'm not trying to just teach you to give today, even though I believe in that. And I'll talk about that in a minute. I believe that I need to have a conviction. It's something about a guy who takes pride in his life, her life. I want a different life. Is anybody with me in here today? No, I said, are you in here with me today? Do you want a different life? Now, I'm not, I'm not just talking about giving money. I'm talking about changing the way you think. You got here preaching, teaching people to give, but they think poor. They have a poor mindset. God can't broaden their life. And I think it happens at all ages. I've got the sermon I'm working on now for older people because I'm one of the older people now. That's what they tell me. 59 next month. Thank you, Jesus. Knocking on the door. And, you know, you know I, 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 just, I just get this thing that when you get older, you know, one, one of the things that happens to you, you don't think forward anymore. You spend all your time talking about what you used to do. When you talk to people, you never talk about the future. Well, I used to work. Well, I remember when it was. Would you do me a favor? Would you ask your neighbor, Sid, are you alive? What they tell you? Anybody tell them they're dead, move. If you know anybody's dead, you need to get up out the chair and move right now. Where's your passion? Where's your passion for life? 
the life in front of you? What do you see? Here's what I think is wrong. We don't have passion. We're not driven. You want to go admire somebody? You want to talk about Bill Gates? Hey, Bill Gates got $60 billion. You ain't got for 60. <laughs> Let's not talk about Bill Gates. What kind of church do you want? You want a broke church or a prosperous church? Say it loud. You want a broke church or a prosperous church? That means you got to have prosperous people. We got to make the prophecy that people have prophesied over this church come true. They say to be in this church, you got to be rich. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. Praise God. We're going to pray. <laughs> come on, amen. That's what they said. Some of them say you got to be wealthy. They lied on me and said you got to show your W-2 form. How many of y'all heard that before? Hold your hands up. Put them up high. Look at that big lie all over town. Isn't that sad? What, praise God. Well, if you got a bad W-2, you can hold up to yesterday. You know, it'd be nice to have a good one. But that's not a requirement of our church. Never has been. But see, people, that, it's broke people talking like that. Why are you putting down people that want to do well? When I do a deal with the bank, ask me a question. Do you want me to beg for you or negotiate for you? How many want me to beg? Please overcome by faith. We poor people. We really ain't, we struggling. We need y'all to help us out with a deal because we don't have any money. We got some broke members and they're all poor and they all come from the ghetto and they're all struggling and they're all uneducated and none of them have a dream. And is that how you want me to talk about you? What you want me to tell them? So we prosperous people. Come on, say amen, huh? We prosperous people. We understand the word of God. We believe in the word of God and we are passionate about it. You ain't got no fire in you. You got a business that's dying and you letting it die. You need to rise up and say no in Jesus' name. And when you have passionate people who have something, the second thing is not a problem. The second question they asked me, here's what they said. They said, well, look, if you make some money, who owns it? Who owns your wealth? Me or God? Well, let's make it plain. Psalm 24. Here's what he said. Now, this is this God giving you. I'm not going to read the whole verse. This is what he said. Verse 1, Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's. Read it out loud with me, please. Come on. The earth is the Lord's and its fullness. And what now? All its fullness, which means everything's mine. Can you say it with me? Say everything is his. Come on. I want you to think about that for a second. Everything is his. Let's pretend you said, no, well, I worked and I built this. Yeah, you did. Okay, but where would you get the supplies from? So let's pretend you have a house, and I take your house, and I tear down. I've been to your house. I tear down brick by brick your house. Every, every, every you do get a nice brick house. I take the house, and I put the bricks over here, and I'm on your property still. And I build me a house out of your house. Whose house is it? Is, is it? So if I take your house, let me see now, and I tear down your house. And I use all the materials, the nails and everything from your house and build me a house. Whose house is it? It's still your house. You can do whatever you want to do, but you use God's strength, God's money, God's time, God's ability, God, everything you have. He gave you. So, so let's be clear. It still belongs to him. And I approach things that way. Because there are many times I felt led to give and I would pause. And say, in the name, I've told that story many times about how I went to the grocery store and I saw that man with them two buggies. I said, ooh, Jesus, he got a lot to pay for. And the Holy Spirit said, pay for it. I said, oh, that's the devil. That's the devil. That's not God. God did not tell me to pay for that man. I don't even know that brother. What in the world am I paying for him and his wife's groceries? 
what am I doing? What am I doing? You're obeying God because it's not yours. And when I walked up to him and his wife, and, and, and I said, well, listen, I said, I just want to tell you. I said, I, don't, I know you don't. Oh, you Pastor Rick. Yeah, okay, that didn't help you any. All right. <laughs> I, said, I said, Lord told me to pay for your groceries. He said, oh, thank God. Oh, Lord. Oh. <laughs> See, it's God's money. Come on, say, it's God's money. Come on. I told you I went to get a shot going overseas. I was going overseas to get my shot. You know, them shots can cost. And I, went to, I had a bunch of them to get. And then I, so I went out there because they, they didn't trust me. They said, no, you got to go pay Pastor Rick. <laughs> so they don't trust nobody. You got to pay first. So I went out there and got in line. And that mother was standing there with those children. And she was saying, oh, the doctor is just getting shots for the kids. There's about three of them. And, it, and she didn't have the money. She said, oh, there's $300, $300. She said, oh, I am not prepared for that today. And the kids were going, yes, Lord. They were shouting. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you know what he told me, right? Pay for that shot. I said, oh, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I just came to get my shots. I didn't go to pay. I said, I'll pay. Lady said, what? So the lady's talking to the lady. And she said, the lady at the counter said, what you say, Pastor Rick? I'll pay. Oh, Pastor Rick said, he going to pay. Military mama was a blessing from God. You know, it's, come on, whose money is it? God's money. Come on. Whose money is it? God's money. I had on a jacket, a, a wonderful jacket that I still dream about today. And somebody came up to me and they asked me, can I, they said, that is a bad jacket. If you ever want to get rid of that, you let me know. And the Holy Spirit said, give it to him. I said, oh, <laughs> oh, 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 I had to sit down. Oh, I just bought this jacket. <laughs> It cost me a couple hundred dollars. Might have been three or so. Oh, Jesus. You know, you splurge on yourself. It was my jacket. Whose jacket was it? Oh, you saying God's jacket was my jacket. Look at y'all. Y'all done flipped out on me. I can't even claim it. It's whose jacket was it? God's jacket. So I took that jacket off. Gave it to him. Jesus, I had some shoes. And back in the day, it were gators. You know what I'm talking about, brother. It was some gators. It was whoo. Them gators. It was biting Good gators. Pay some money for them gators. And I, you know, you get something match your clothes, you know what I'm saying? Got on the suit like they put that gray on there with the gray, with the black in the shoes. Ow! Oh, stop! Get preaching anointing no shoes. Yes, I could. I was walking in the hotel I just stayed in LA. I was in Marriott LAX. I remember where I was in the hallway. I remember where I was walking at. And I was walking by and the guy, I had this, I had my shoes in my hand like this here. You know what I'm saying? And I, I was gonna get them shined up. And I was, <laughs> they got a bad shoe shine in that place. I walked with my shoes going down there to get them shine. And I saw a guy in the whole. He said, Oh, Temple, praise God, those some awesome shoes. I said, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's a pastor of a big church guy. He don't need my shoes. He got a lot of people. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, I'm, now that time I said no. I did. I said no. I said, I said no. I, I am. I did. I went all the way back up to my room and I had my shoes. I, shined, they would, I just got them shined. They were smoking, man. I had my shoes and he. I said no to God or whoever that was talking to me. I, I'm giving up my shoes. Now. No, they were brown. I remember them now. They were brown. Oh, man, they were sweet shoes. And I'm telling you, oh, and I got in the room and I couldn't put them on. 
spirit said, this curse shoes now. You, <laughs> you don't try to preach at them. You better preach at them. <laughs> give and it shall be given unto you. Shake it down and run it over. I want you to give. And let me tell you what God did. I got up and I called him. I said, well, I said, well, uh, you know, the Lord touched me about those shoes. He said, I knew they were mine. Tell me when I saw them, I knew. He said, I knew. I knew God was going to. He said, <laughs> that's what he told me. He said, I knew those were my shoes. We're the same size foot. He said, I knew, I knew. And then he said, well, I, I'm blessed. I got plenty of shoes. I hear I release you from that in Jesus' name. I said, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Woo, Jesus. I was glad. I was happy. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. It's giving stuff and put something on you, pressure. But you know what you learn? It's not mine. It belongs to the Lord. Come on, say amen. Third question, Steph asked me. Okay, you like that. Come on, amen. It's not mine. It belongs to the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Third question. Do, do, I, do I get to decide how much I give? A lot of you like that, that, that approach. You know, I, I, I tried. I tried that approach with Diane. I, I told you, I said, I, I counsel so many women uh, in particular who say their husbands wouldn't bring the money home. And, and, and so one woman told me, she said, if I could just get them to give me $200, I'd be happy. I said, oh, I wish I could put that in the pill and give it to Diane. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'd give it to her. Here, drink this, baby. <laughs> drink it. $200. That's all you need. That's, you don't need more than $200 from me in Jesus' name. What? In the world was that about? It was amazing. And I remember, I remember sitting there, and I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, 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 I'm trying to put my mind around what she was telling me, but we, we try to treat God the same way. You know, Cain had that same spirit. You remember Cain and Abel? Cain brought God what he wanted to. It, it's, it's, it's this idea that you can do it your way and take it any place you want. You can take your rent money to the next door neighbor and give it to them, and that's fine, right? Right? You can take your mortgage and pay the neighbor's mortgage and not your own. Churches are full of people sometimes who don't get this, and, and families don't get this. My responsibility, this is for the record, and I'm going to answer this question in a minute. I have a responsibility to my family. I have a responsibility to the people that I parent, lead, or whatever. I have a responsibility to my wife. I can't be so focused on these other people that I forget my house, where I live, your church, where you go. God established a system so we wouldn't be begging people. He established a system so there'd be plenty of resources. There'd be plenty of wealth. And if there's plenty of wealth and plenty of resources, there's no need. And, and some of you, if you're honest in your family, the biggest problem you've had is you're not unified. You're divided. And you're divided in the way you spend money, raise money, plan for money. And it's not so much all the time that some, everybody's bringing in an equal amount. Because you could be home, but your contribution. Diane would be a blessing to me if she didn't work. Her contribution goes way past money. It's teamwork. It's, it's banding together. It's making sure that, that my world, and, and I'm just speaking from my side of it for a minute, she makes sure my world feels safe to the best of her ability. And she's not a perfect person, and we have issues and dynamics, and that's part of being married. But, but we have never had certain problems because I think, by and large, we tried to work in the same direction. And it really creates a bigger, a better environment for wealth development and going forward I believe we will I, I believe we're going to do better and here's what I want you to listen to this is the question I'm going to answer so I can get out of here do I get to decide how much 
the Bible in Malachi 3 lays out a principle, and this is not the first time it's mentioned. It's, it's mentioned throughout the Bible. It starts in Genesis, where, where you have um, the first tither. And let me just define what a tithe is. The first tithe was Abraham. The word tithe, everybody say the word, say tithe. tithe. Not tithes. People say, I, got, I gave my tithes. No, this is a tithe. <laughs> say tithe. T-I-T-H-E, which means tenth. I gave a tenth. I worked, I made a dollar, I gave God ten cents. It's like what you do when you go to, uh, a, a, you, know, you know why they suggest tip amounts? Because you won't do right. We tend to, I, I don't know, there's, this, there's not a natural tendency in some of us to dream of wealth, and there's not a natural tendency to give. We, and those are two bad places to be. You're not dreaming of building wealth, and you're not, when you do get wealth, you're not really generous, and you're not consistent. And so here's what happens when that's true. It creates an environment, and that's what Malachi is about. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to give you a summary of what he says. And, and this is my conviction. This is how I live my life. I always do this first. This is just how I live. And, here, and let me tell you, I do this first, but here's something I didn't do first. I didn't always pay myself first. After I tithe. Paying yourself is right, right behind that. You need to create a world. Well, Pastor, I can't. Let's work toward it. I didn't say you have it today. Let's develop a clear conviction. Change our mind. Change our approach, right? See, I'm, I'm talking about how you have to think. And I think part of the problem is the Bible teaches as much about doing that as it does tithing. But let me talk about the tithing question because that was the question Steph asked me. Do I get to decide? Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 says this. He says, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. Now, I want you to understand that, that this whole argument in Malachi is because there was this problem going on where people, the church, the ministry couldn't do, they couldn't do the work of God they were called to do. And then he says something that's really pretty profound. He said, you're cursed with a curse. That's, that's tough talk. In other words, this is why you have hardship, he was saying. Part of the, part of the hardship that comes in, my, in our lives is born out of what we don't do. If I mistreat my wife, if I don't take care of my responsibilities, I believe that there are hardships that come into my life. If I'm mean to her, if I'm mean to my family, if I'm mean to you, if I'm, if I'm dishonest with you even, down to very, very simple things. If I, if, I, I am, if, I, if, if I charge a business expense that is not a true church business expense, that's wrong. I don't care if it's, if, I mean... Ice cream. I just, I, there are things that, that you just, you bring hardships in your life when you don't do what's right. So, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, he's talking to the whole nation, and here's what he says. Bring all the tithes, verse 10, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord, and see if I would not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there would not be enough room to receive it. Then he says, and I will, in verse 11, rebuke the devourer for your sakes. There's a benefit for this. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. I've learned that because I am faithful in giving to God, and I'm faithful in my attitude, two things. I'm a wealth builder. I'm clear about that. And I'm also faithful in giving. There are certain things that I automatically receive because of that. There's a benefit. Now, go back and notice with me the three things I said, four things I said here about this question. My tithe is not mine to control. It's, not, it's a holy sacrifice. It's the first thing. 
And if I, if, if, if I don't understand that, I'm making a huge mistake. Number two, my tithe is to be brought to a specific place. Bring all the tithes into the what? Storehouse. Now, I want to I be clear about this. You, you can't, you, you know, I can't take my rent and, and give it to everybody. And I, I just, I mean, I understand that, that that's a good thing to help people. But there is a responsibility. And this is what families don't get. There's a family responsibility I have. There is a, as a member of this church, as a, where do I, where is my storehouse? Where do I go to get fed? I tell people, when you leave here and you move someplace else and you're in another church and they're feeding you, that's where you should help. That's the way you should support. And, and, and see it as a storehouse. And then with that comes benefits. I believe my conviction is that it brings benefit to me. I will rebuke the devourer for, for my sake. Now, let me tell you, when I was younger, I was not a faithful tither at times. And, and, and it really, to be honest with you, marrying Diane really made me kind of up my game. Because I felt like the church that I was in, they, they were making $100,000 a week. They didn't need my little $30. <laughs> what did they need my $30 for? But what happens is, when you get thousands of people who think that way, you impoverish the church. Just like your family is impoverished because everybody's not on board. Do me a favor. I want everybody to lift your hand with me, please. Look around the room. That's how many people we have. Put your hands down for a second. And, and that many more people are watching from home and more. And so understand, my tithe, when I bring them, here's what I believe the Bible says, Leviticus 27, 30. The Bible says the tithe belongs to the Lord. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It says, and all the tithe of the land, where, where, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord. It is holy. It is holy. And if you don't have a passionate conviction, now listen to me. If you don't have a passionate conviction for this, I'm not, I'm not going to convince you. And I'm not trying to. And that is that we will love each other and keep moving. But here's what I believe is, is one of the big problems in church. There, there's disunity. There's not a sense of, 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 of a strong conviction. When I, when I tithe, I always pray. So, Father, today I bring you a part of my life. I had to work to get this. And I honor you with this. And I pray over it. And I said, Father, we as a family offer this to you as a sacrifice. And sometimes it is a sacrifice. Some of you say, well, what if I can't? No, well, guess who else knows you can't? God. Th that's not an issue. The issue is, do you want to? Do you want to move in that direction? Do you want to passionately try? Do you, it's, it's all about what I want and for me. Not for you. Now, I understand. If you're not church, if, you don't go to, if you're don't, not a church person, if you're not in the Bible, and this is just a great sermon for you, you enjoy, that's, that's a nice opinion. That's fine. But here's what I believe with conviction. It changes the game in my life. He said, try me with this. This is the only time in the Bible you see it said like this. Try me now, says the Lord. This is under number two in your notes. He says, try me now and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. I've been, I've been amazed at how God has blessed me and how God has changed my life in so many ways because of that. Now I close with this final thought. I want you to, there's a, there's a, there, I'll elaborate more on this next week. There's a book that I want you to look at. It's called Facts About the Poor and the Rich. And I want to just, um, now that you understand my convictions about tithing, my convictions about wealth, this is a book I want you to buy. I want you to buy this on your own and you can read it. It's a great book. It's called Rich Habits, Poor Habits by Thomas Corley and Michael Yardney. And in this book it talks about things that rich people do Wealthy people do compared to things that poor people do. Since wealth is my focus today, more than the tithing part was, that's just a little sidebar note for you. I want you to understand that I, I am now asking myself, do I have poor habits or do I have rich habits? Ask yourself this question. Come on. 
Do I have what? Poor habits or do I have rich habits? Now, look at how the wealthy became wealthy. 67 to 80% of the wealthy are self-made millionaires, which means they didn't get their money given to them. You're never going to become better hoping somebody gives. Very few people is given to. 67 to 80% of the wealthy, they earned it. Number two, how they work. And this is not, in, by the way, elevating wealthy people above poor people. This is not in any way trying to make it seem like, okay, you're better. I'm trying to say you want to be wealthier. Did I hear an amen to that? Amen. Now, come on. Did I hear an amen to that? Amen. You have a conviction that it's okay for you to do better. Amen? amen. Wealthy could just mean for you another $5,000 a year. It could mean, for, I don't know what it means for you. I'm not trying to make any millionaire. There are 10.2 millionaires in America today. I'm not trying to make you one of them. That's not, that, that may be too big of a stretch. I'm simply talking about something that you need to talk about. And you need to go home and have this kind of wealth-building discussion with your family and stop praying when you have a need. Let's change our life, change our mind, change our approach. Come on, say amen, you hear me? And change our convictions. Here's, here's how they work. You might like this. Rich people, particularly self-made millionaires, work for far more hours than everyone else on average. According to the Census Bureau... The average wealthy household, which the IRS defines as the top 20% of income earners in the U.S., work five times as many hours as the average poor household. Now, that doesn't put poor households down. I'm just simply saying, stop thinking everybody who's wealthy got it the wrong way. And I don't like the fact that we got this wealth against the poor thing going on. I don't like it. As a matter of fact, I think we need to care more for the poor. We need to help the poor. And that's what we're coming by face about. Come on, say amen, right? Amen. We want to bring everybody up. Come on, amen. We want to bring everybody up. But there are things you can learn from wealthy people. Amen. Number three, how educated they are. If you look at the who's who of wealthy individuals, you'd find that 50% of them didn't go to college. They didn't complete college. I'm not against, I'm not for that. I want everybody in my church to go to college. But just because you didn't doesn't mean you can't do better. Amen. Come on, isn't that good stuff? Yeah. Last one. How, how did the poor manage their time? You'll love this. 77% admitted that they watch more than an hour of TV every night. You watch too much TV to be wealthy. 78% admitted to watching a lot of reality TV. This time-wasted habit infected their own kids. The poor in my, in, in my study said, said their own kids spend many hours every day watching TV, playing video games, or spending their time on social media and the Internet. You sit there on Facebook more than you read books about your future and your life. You know more about the people on Facebook than you know about your own career. My God, no wonder you can't do better. No wonder your family's struggling. You're doing, you're doing what poor people do. Stop doing what poor people do. Even if you're poor, do what rich people do. So be clear about your convictions. Be intentional. Be thankful. And next week, we're going to talk about being passionate. I believe it's time for you to rise up and win. I believe it's time for you to rise up and be different. We're going to build a future, and we're going to build wealth, and we're going to be passionate, and God's going to bless us. Come on, say amen. amen. Come on, give God a big shout. Come on, let me hear you shout. Father, in Jesus' name, we speak the word of God over the church, and we declare it to be a wealthy place. And wealthy people, you can stand on your feet. I think you're wealthy enough to stand up in Jesus' name. Stand up like wealthy people, prosperous people. 
And if somebody's bugged by this, God bless you. Amen. You just be bugged. I'm not going to worry about it. When you need something, call us. Amen. We'll help you out. Because you're going to need help. If you don't change your mind, change your approach, and change your convictions. And if you don't rise up with passion, nothing's going to change in your life. You can blame it all you want on politics. You keep waiting on these politicians. They all got a lot going on. Better pray for everybody right now. You better start focusing on your own life. Father, I speak the word over us and declare in Jesus' name that we are prosperous people, that God's hands on us, and we will rise above these days, that we will not live the rest of our lives in frustration and, and, and burdened and grieved. We're going to look to the future, not just the past. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life, what you said today was profound. I want to have a spiritually wealthy life too. It's not just about money. It's about bringing your life into a place that God wants it to be. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus, I want you to pray a prayer for me. I want to leave out of this place right with God today. I came in here, but I need God when I go out here a new way. I want to be a different person when I leave. If you want me to pray for you, I want you to simply raise your hand and say, pray for me. That's all you're saying. Say, pray for me. That's my prayer. I see you. I see you. Anybody else saying, pray for me? I see you. I see you. I see you, 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 and you. And my goodness, I see several hands up. Raise your hand. Let me see you again. One, two, I'm praying for. I'm praying for one. I'm praying for two, three, four, five. I'm praying for six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. I'm praying for a lot of people. Sixteen, seventeen. Father God, today, eight. I see them. Eighteen. I, I declare in Jesus' name that your hands on these and the more who raise their hands and those who are home raising their hand. We rise with passion today, and we thank you and praise you and believe that your hands upon us. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your grace. And would you repeat this prayer with me, please? Say, Lord, today, I surrender my life to you. I know you love me right where I am. And I trust you with my life. Today is the day my life goes in a new direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, give God a big hand clap and a big shout. Praise God. Now, you may be seated.